thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I am Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is the guy who's more fun than a ball pit big enough for adults, Mike Van de Bogart. <laughs> Thanks for the intro, Joe. Uh, this isn't one of our normal episodes. Uh, we've been teasing this for several weeks now, but we've we finally got the Arvin Nelson interview with his two uh, close friends, Jay and Jason. So it's about... 40 minutes long and it really it really gives us some exciting details about Arvin that we didn't know from the the information that's available online and uh, Jay and Jason had a lot of great insights on the location where he went missing what they think happened to him and just some overall you know details on what Arvin was like as a person before he went missing so I'm, I'm glad we I'm glad we got this interview set up because I know we, uh, if, and I'll say right now, if you haven't listened to the Arvin Nelson episode, I would say go back, listen to it. It's episode five, so it's obviously a while ago. It took a, it took a little bit to get this interview together, but Mike, you get all the credit on coordinating and, and actually doing the interview. I was not present for it. But go listen to the Arvin Nelson episode and then tune in to the interview because you're going to hear from two very, very close friends of Arvin's. Um, was it one, one of them was in college with them, roommates? And one of them, yeah. One of the guys met Arvin in college and has known, knew him for decades. And the other guy uh, knew Arvin you know, during his time living in California. And they both hiked with him a lot. So they've, they've been hiking with him. They've been in this area with him before he went missing. Um, they weren't, neither of them were hiking with him on the hike that he went missing, but they, uh, they had a lot of great insight in Arvin, into Arvin in the case. So yeah, it's a, it was a great interview. It was a little hard to coordinate. One of the guys lives in New York and the other guy lives on the West coast. So, um, and obviously we, we live in the Midwest, so <laughs> it was a, it was a little tough coordinating, but we finally, we finally got everyone together and, uh, got the interview done. Awesome. Well, then I'll say uh, without further ado, let's send it over to the interview with Jay and Jason. I'd like to first of all thank uh, Jason and Jay for for agreeing to speak with us on Arvin. And before we get into Arvin and the location, I'd I'd like uh, both of them kind of just to introduce themselves and uh, you know tell us tell us how you got to know Arvin. So why don't we start with uh, Jason? All right. I'm Jason Chalice, and I've known Arvin for 32 years. Um, we originally met in college at San Jose State. Um, and uh, yeah, we kind of become closer and closer friends after we left school and mm-hmm. uh, started camping pretty often together and, and hiking. So okay. Far. So you, you've known him for a long time. So yes, um, you'd consider yourself probably a, a really close friend of Arvin. Really close friend. Yeah. Okay. We would, come to thanksgivings and dinners at our house and so wow. forth yeah, so. okay um and jay uh, uh, introduce yourself sure uh i'm jay o'rear and uh, i know um arvin through jason 
Um, I met Arvin much later um, in, in uh, Jason and Arvin's friendship. Jason and I um, also have been camping and hiking together. Mm -hmm. What would you say, Jason, last 20 years or so, maybe close? Probably, to yeah. And uh, I'd say that I was um, with Jason and Arvin on camping trips, I, I want to say like six to eight times. Um, okay. Yeah. Over that period, you know, uh, at least yeah. most, yeah, it, it, maybe upwards of ten. But it was almost always um, in the uh, geography that we're going to be discussing where um, where Arvin disappeared. But I, I, I know Arvin much less closely, but I do have that context of having hiked and camped with him with Jason. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So cool. kind of diving right into. Um, the hiking aspect. So as both of you mentioned, you've, you've known Arvin for a while, hiked with him a lot. Um, before we get into, you know, when he went missing, would you say that he was a pretty experienced hiker? He kind of knew his way around out on the trail? Yes. Yeah, I'd say so. And he knew, he knew at least sort of the front side of that trail from mm -hmm. Big Sur Station to Sykes Hot Springs uh, quite well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the, the location that he went missing um, was the Ventana Wilderness. I know um, in some of our previous conversations, you had mentioned some things about the area that we hadn't um, thought about before. Um, why don't you go into kind of the terrain, what the trail was like, and kind of, you know, some of the things you guys have come across out there in your past hikes. Do you want to speak to that, Jay? Yeah, I can start a, a little bit. Um, so the the area that um, he went missing in is it's it's definitely backcountry, but it's also like fairly well developed and and hiked. Mm -hmm. um, the the trails are clear, um, except for may, maybe maybe uh, Jason has a different opinion on this. Except for maybe like a few areas, it's not particularly difficult. Um, it's it's got a lot of exposure. It's um, on the inland, which is to say like the eastern part of that coastline. So the coastline has Highway run, 1 running right alongside of it. And there's sort of the, the western side, which are the beaches and some, you know, kind of more popular um, large parks and trails. The east yeah. side is, is, you know, more, more like quote unquote wilderness. But we're not talking like you know, it's not like super remote. It, there's, mm -hmm. you're, you're often, you know, on a day hike, you know, you will pass a lot of people. Yeah. Um, especially on this, on this leg that we're talking. He went um, a little further out than most people do. Like most people on a day hike or a couple days hike will stay a little more close to the town of Big Sur. And he was on a a trail that went a little further into um, it basically ends up in Carmel Valley at a, at a monastery. And there are people that will do um, that, that hike that are maybe a little more mm -hmm. of a serious hiker than your average day hiker. Yeah. Um, and I guess my only other thing before turning over to Jason is um, that area, that Ventana wilderness over the last, decade or so has had multiple um, wildfires. Okay. So um, there's been like a lot of, you know, 
burn down and then regrowth and then burn down again. So you get out there and, you know, there's places that are, you know, sort of like basically halfway regrown. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we can talk about this later, but there are some like weird spots of like really crazy overgrowth and, yeah. and sort of like hidden uh, crevasses and stuff that may have played into. Okay. So, so if, if you were to go off trail at all, there, there could be areas where you might not see a, a big drop off or if something happened to you and you were off trail, it might be hard for people on the trail to see you potentially. Yes. There, there are places where there's like, you know, Madrone or whatever and um, fairly thick undergrowth despite mm -hmm. the fires that he could have slipped down under and not been seen by a helicopter or, or rescue search and rescue. Okay. Um, is in, um, I, I can't remember the, the specific date he was hiking when he went missing, but how is the weather usually in that area? Pretty hot and dry. It was, I think August 6th. Um, okay. And it, it, if on dry years, there are large swaths there between, um, sort of Tassajara hot springs and China camp where he departed from, um, where there, you might not run into a river or a stream for quite a while. And it does during the day, it can be, you know, depending on the summer, it can be a hundred degrees perhaps. Okay. So you got to come in with um, enough water. Yes. Uh, okay. Or know that there are streams that are active and he would, he would have known that. Okay. Um, you know, one of the other things we always try to look at in these locations is kind of wildlife. Um, would there have been any type of wildlife that you or Arvin or either of you would have been, you know, worried about hiking out there? Or is it pretty, you know, your, your normal kind of wildlife that you'd see, you know, anywhere in California? Yeah, I mean, I'd say mostly. I think maybe the thing that just in that area in general or that I think about when I'm out there is are snakes. More okay. than more than like big cats or yeah. I, I think actually, um, I, if I I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but I feel like maybe one of the times we were out there, maybe even with Arvin, there was like sign of boar, like wild boar oh, out there. Sure. Um, but I you know people don't go out there necessarily expecting to encounter yeah like big cats. It's it's more like snakes and okay. And, and and bad insects more than yes okay so i mean it sounds like it, it's a, a pretty popular area to hike um I, i'm assuming the trails are pretty well maintained as well yeah i think so um where he was though it's you know when you get east of sykes hot springs it's it it becomes pretty remote i think okay the, you know it's not for the faint of heart or thin <laughs> thin-skinned hikers but yeah um, okay but I, yeah yeah, it, it so is, it is there. It is pretty vertical in spots too. There are areas of that trail that are pretty rocky um, and and sort of somewhat steep grades. There, there's some fairly big like cones and um, peaks back there. Okay, so it definitely it sounds like the first half of the hike um, is more you know any your typical day hiker could do, but the spot that Arvin kind of pushed into was more remote and probably more for experienced hikers. Um, I, th I think so. Yes. Okay. You know, given, given all that kind of uh, location profile, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have hiked with Arvin enough to know, do you think he was, you know, prepared to, to go out there the, the day he went missing or, 
would there have been some reason he would have been packing light or, you know, didn't bring water, or, you know, something like that? I don't think so. He was pretty well prepared. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In general. Okay. Um, so I think um, my next question. So Jason, you're the one you've known him for decades. Yes. Um, one of the things Joe and I had a really tough time researching was kind of Arvin's past life. Ah. So, and obviously in our original episode, we, we had some kind of wild speculation on different theories of why he went missing. Sure. And, you know, largely driven by, um, we didn't have a very clear grasp of, you know, who Arvin was really as a person kind of much before, you know, not, I think we knew kind of how he was like when he was, you know, months before he went missing. Sure. But we don't have a picture of Arvin, the person, you know, decades before he went missing. So I don't know if you could fill the listeners in on kind of the Arvin that you knew over the decades. Yeah. I mean, certainly was, you know, happy go lucky kind of guy, as you described um, mm -hmm. at least the past 10 years when he was in big Sur and ever, ever since I've known him, I know uh, my, I met him at San Jose State where he moved from Colorado. He originally attended Colorado State. And just a funny aside, my cousin from Chicago met him on the orientation bus in 1982 um, at Colorado State. Uh, his friend Drew moved to San Jose to go to San Jose State and he sort of followed. And I was friends with uh, one of his roommates where he was living in a, a large house with a, a lot of guys, uh, which is how we got to know each other. While we were in college, he was a, a business major. And then um, shortly after we graduated, I was working at Adobe where I met um, Jay. And Arvin was working in printing sales and sort of, uh, he, he did a little bit of banking and then went into printing sales and decided he um, didn't like the suit and wanted to go back to um, waiting tables, doing fine dining and mm -hmm. You know, nice restaurants and um, eventually decided to kind of parse down all a lot of his belongings and he had spent several summers working at Big Sur um, various campgrounds and restaurants and decided he liked that lifestyle better being closer to the woods and the water so he moved everything down there um, had several apartments uh, different places um, either at the campgrounds where he was working where they would have kind of an international destination so they're like you know kids would come on their gap year and work for a year mm -hmm. there um, so he would live you know in the camp the apartments at the campgrounds or renting a, a cottage from someone okay um what about, Jason, what about um his teaching substitute teaching oh yes excuse me thanks for bringing that up yeah he was he was also a substitute teacher he had a um a, credential for so he some weeks he would actually commute um, during the winter months back to Los Gatos where I was living stay with me and then do sub substitute teaching during the day and he liked the little kids most of all but um, mm -hmm. and then go back to Big Sur on the weekends during the slow slow part of the year but um, eventually he ended up transitioning all the way down there and he was taking also classes at Monterey Peninsula College he was interested in marine biology Mm. And he took, he went to a, uh, like a expedition up around Alaska, you know, measuring the re re reduced amount of ice that is up there. Okay. So it, it sounds like he's actually, he's had a, a pretty interesting life and um, it sounds like he's got a lot of different interests 
And, you know, what we were able to read about him was that he was kind of like one of those larger than life figures, kind of the life of the party. <laughs> yes. um, everyone liked him. You know, we didn't read anything, you know, anybody saying a bad thing about him. Yeah. Um, how was his, you know, the, the couple months leading up to his disappearance, um, how was his mood or attitude around Big Sur? I know everyone's, everyone liked him from what we read. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I know quite well, I mean, we spoke... I left for a trip to Europe when he, in the period when he left for his, his week, you know, week long trip. Yeah. Um, and we spoke just before that. And um, yeah, he seemed pretty normal Arvin. I think I, I saw him a few months before that. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I took a trip down there and ran into him. Yeah. So, so yeah. there's nothing to, for you to you know, think that he, you know, anything was going on in his life where he, he would, you know, try to go out and, you know, lose himself. I know some of these stories of people going missing, yeah. you find out down the road that they had, you know, some kind of hardship in their life and, you know, they, they kind of go out into the wilderness to, to not come back. I know that right. sometimes happens to people, but yeah. you don't have any, I, you know, reason to think that that's what happened to Arvin. I don't. Were you going to say something, Jay? Oh, just, um, yeah, and then maybe a comment on on that last question. I was just going to mention that um, it had actually been a while since I had seen Arvin, but my girlfriend actually ran into him a few months before he was missing. Okay, he he was a like he definitely was a larger than life figure mm -hmm. down there, and he was a a common visitor to um, uh, a retreat center down there called Esalen been there for i don't know 50 or 60 years now and yeah uh they have um they open up the, the hot springs there to the general public every night like really late at night it's like midnight to one or something is when the general public can go and he, he was to be found there a lot he, he hung out at esalen and uh the last time uh my girlfriend saw him was a few months before he went missing and he was just there he was hanging out in the tubs totally um convivial and friendly and, mm -hmm. and she's she said like as happy as she'd ever seen him so that that was sort of the last i don't know jason it may have been over a year that i had personally seen sure. him that he had that he had uh that he had yeah. passed but yeah I, I don't have any reason to believe he would have been depressed or had anything going on um, that's one thing i've thought a lot about too and yeah he left his wallet and all his belongings with his friend Jesse and said, you know, if, if I'm not back by the 14th or I don't show up to work, call in the cavalry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he would have, um, you know, he wouldn't have thrown, I, I, it wouldn't have been like him to throw that kind of um, mask over yeah. disappearing himself. Yeah, no. And I mean, everything that we could find on him kind of echoed what you guys both just said that, he seemed like a real happy guy. You know, everyone liked him. No signs of that, at least, you know, externally. Um, and as far as Arvin himself, um, from what we gather, he was a pretty, pretty big guy. Um, I, he was over six feet tall. I mean, he's yeah. not the kind of guy that's going to get assaulted on a trail or no. you go down without a fight is kind of what I'm getting at. Sure. Um, yeah. He, he was a lover, not a fighter, for sure, but I don't, yeah, he could. But he did have, he, he had kind of an imposing physical presence, for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that kind of leads me into my next question. Um, I, I can't remember which one of you brought this up, but this was something 
uh, Joe and I totally, we didn't even think of at the time, but you said that in the area where Arvin went missing, there was, there could have been some type of racial element to it. Um, I don't know if either of you want to kind of expand on that. Well, I think I probably brought that up. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think just, um, it just one thing to just be said is like, there aren't that many black people in, in Big Sur. Mm-hmm. And there were like, just like anecdotally, there were a lot of people that if you were to say, hey, you know, Arvin, you'd be like, oh, he's the black guy. Like, it was just sort of, and they didn't, I'm not saying that they were saying that in a, in a racial way. I'm just saying like, it was a very, it was very obvious. It was sort of an obvious fact. Yeah. And um, I think what, one of the angle, there's actually a couple of different things that I'm thinking as far as this angle goes. And one is the area that he went missing in, um, I mean, it's not exactly deliverance, but it's pretty, <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty wild. Like there's survivalists out there. There's yeah. like, um, pot growers. There's uh, actually in that valley between the the highway one and one hundred one. And Jason, maybe you can film help me remember this. I think like along Nacimiento Road, which which connects the two highways. There's actually um, war games that are conducted back there, and it's it's just it's a real rough and rowdy sort of backcountry. Yeah, I've got a a friend in LA. He he was a down the street neighbor from me who lived in Monterey for almost 20 years. And when I was telling him this story, he just, he just kind of like cocked an eyebrow and he, he was just like, yeah, you know, there's, there's just some rough um, people (laughs) back there. And it just, it kind of leads you to wonder like, you know, if there could have been some, um, racially inspired violence or whatever. But I think the other part that I think a lot about is um, sort of the length and depth of the investigation, which is mm-hmm. which always seems sort of like weirdly short and shallow. Yeah. To me. I mean, there was, a, there was a pretty intense sort of search and rescue effort during the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but it just kind of fell out of view. And then there, was, there wasn't a lot of coverage about like a criminal investigation or, and, and you know, I'm not trying to like read too much in this, into this, yeah. but it's just one of these things where you're like, oh, you know, some black man gets lost in the forest and it doesn't seem like there's as much attention given to it as it was you know, like if it was like a, a white woman or whatever. And again, this, this is just me sort of speculating, but I, I think it's worth thinking about. And Jason, yeah. I mean, if you want to take it from there. Sure. Were you going to say something? Like, oh, no, uh, go ahead. I, I, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think about that as well. And I, um, you know, uh, yeah, there might be some cartel growers back there or something he might have stumbled upon. Uh, that might have played into that also. Um, I, you know, this, the, the search and rescue effort did go on for, I think, you know, well over a month after that, but, Mm -hmm. um, and especially on weekends, you know, as you mentioned, there were helicopters and planes. And um, I think at one point they had several hundred search and rescue people one weekend, they made a, like a big push um, kind of 
figuring that, you know, he might've had food for a couple of weeks or been able to survive, um, you know, just on water, you know, which is the most important thing. Yeah. But then I think after about a month, they sort of threw in the towel and may have moved on to other issues. But Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of sad, you know, we see this in case after case where there's a real hard push in the beginning and then it kind of, the case just kind of, you know, people forget about it and move on. And, um, we, we did a case on a guy, uh, Paul Miller, a Canadian guy that went missing in Joshua tree and his family still flies down there and hikes the trail that he went missing on trying to find clues or something missing. Yeah. And even the park service tells us that they'll do train their training sessions in areas where people have gone missing just out of the, you know, outside chance they may find something, but interesting. Yeah. It's sad that, um, you know, these, these cases kind of just, you know, float off into the ether after a, a period of time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's a really interesting angle that we didn't look at in the original episode of not necessarily maybe a, a racial element, but just, it's a, it's kind of wild back there with some interesting characters <laughs> Yeah. and something, yeah, maybe, maybe you came across um, a drug deal or, uh, you know, somebody growing something out there. Cause it's really strange. They didn't find anything from him. That's one thing I was going to say that yeah. he, he was registered with REI. I know um, his friend that he left his stuff with and, and the sheriff in Monterey looked up all his gear, like what color pack he had, what mm-hmm. he could find everything, not a trace. And that's the really strangest thing. Yeah. It's, it, we see this all the time. It's just, it's almost like the, these people just vanish off the face of the planet it's just like they're gone because how, how can a search of hundreds of people, helicopters, you know, canines, you know, all these resources and not find a shoe or a backpack or anything? Right. anything. It's, it's puzzling. Yes. Um, did either of you uh, get contacted by any of the law enforcement that were investigating at the time? I did a couple times. Um, I think at the initial Mm-hmm. Uh, someone from the sheriff's office called me just because I was his emergency contact on like some of his work forms. Okay. Um, and you know, just some, some basic questions like, you know, do you know where he's been? Have you seen him? And kind of, yeah. Yeah. Pretty cut okay. and dry. So they really, at that point probably didn't have any, any clue at what happened to him or <laughs> correct. Yeah. Um, still don't. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I, we don't know about is, um, at the time of his disappearance, did Arvin have any family in the United States? Yes. His sister, Zoni, uh, lives in Colorado. And I actually met her um, several months after his disappearance. She came out to kind of put his affairs in order and yeah. take, take, you know, his uh, belongings back for his nephew, her son. Um, mm-hmm. So whom he had a good relationship with. I think he wasn't, he was kind of estranged from his sister, but he liked, uh, he got along with his nephew. Okay. Did, um, did Arvin have any, any partners in um, Big Sur at the time of his disappearance or was he kind of, you know, you know, kind of uh, living the, the, the bachelor lifestyle? <laughs> I, mostly the bachelor lifestyle. I, I know yeah. he had a couple of women friends that he was, um, fairly close to, but I don't, yeah, I don't think he was in a committed relationship at the time. I, I would have heard. So I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting to kind of fill in these pieces about Arvin that we didn't know uh, before. Um, I guess 
getting into kind of what I think everyone probably struggles with is what happened to him. Um, in our episode, we covered a lot of different theories, including exposure, animal attack, um, foul. One of our wild theories was foul play involving the cabin. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know you guys kind of, you mentioned to me that that probably was a, you know, isn't a, a plausible theory, but you know, you guys know the area and uh, knew Arvin. What what do you think happened to him? <laughs> I just uh, I just want to jump in with one thing, and that is, yeah. And I think, I mean, even in recent conversations that Jason and I had together, I don't know that we've really like ruled out the foul play idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's because it is one. It's one of the theories that explains there being nothing to be found yep um there there's also and we can talk about this too there there's the unlikely chance that he might have crossed over to the coast side of the highway and you mm -hmm. you could you could fall down a cliff and be taken out with all of your stuff never to be uh for for none of that to ever be found again i that feels really unlikely to me that yeah. It's yeah. a it's a real big detour. It's possible, but you you really have to make an effort to get out to the cliffs. But um I don't know. I I th I think the last time Jason and I were talking about this, we we got a little we just ended up talking about this idea of like what happened at the cabin a lot. And right. and I'm I'm a person who like is very curious about like how that was investigated. Like if the last place that he was seen was a remote cabin alone, like yeah, did they did they bring out dogs? Did they dig stuff up? Um, yeah. It just I don't know. It, it feels like a location where you could um, do something to somebody and hide them in it. <laughs> I yeah, I think to speak to what you and Mike and Joe um, discussed that you know I think it's. It, Jack and his son um, taking off in the helicopter, asking him if he wanted to go with, you know, they mm -hmm. had sort of um, validation that everything was okay at that time when they took off. But yeah. it is a possibility that someone came along to the cabin because there aren't many houses out there, you know, and, and perhaps was trying to break in, mm -hmm. found a guy there that they didn't expect. And, you know, who knows what happened? I think, yeah, no, that was one of the, I think, thinking back, that was one of our theories that maybe he was at the cabin when other people were coming out there to maybe burglarize it. I know Jack was, I know, didn't they make some really expensive um, like violin bows? Yeah. Violin bows out there, yeah. So um, one of the more plausible theories we had was that, you know, Arvin was, you know, staying there for the night or stopping there for some reason and he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but you think evidence of that would, be, would have been found Indeed. if, if they did any, an investigation there, which I, I don't know. I tried, we tried to get the current sheriff of Monterey County to do an interview and we were about to get him on and he didn't, but it would be really interesting to know if they had, you know, law enforcement out there to investigate that area. Um, but yeah, so I think um I think knowing that that area is, you know, pretty wild back there, I think foul play for me now is becoming the the most likely theory. Sure. I mean, it it's not impossible 
that he could lose his fitting, footing. Um, some of the locals that I talked to at his sort of memorial yeah. um, party that we had, you know, said, oh, yeah, he could, you know, there's places where he could lose his footing, slide under some chaparral and not be seen. And then, you know, as Jay mentioned, just a year or two later, there was a very devastating fire um, that started at Garapada and kind of wiped out a lot of the area. So if there was any evidence, it, it may have gone up. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, if any, anything, you know, clothing or backpacks or shoes probably would have gone up in smoke in a forest fire. Right. But bones, um, I guess not. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, in it's one question I, I have for you guys that know the area. So if, if something would have happened to him out at the cabin, is there easy access via like, you know, could you get four wheelers back there or even a truck or is it, you got to hike in and out of there, or use a helicopter. I think he got a hike in. I'm not okay. very familiar. Yeah. I I read a story about Jack once um, that, you know, like he, he would walk in when he was younger, you know, however many miles from, yeah. from Big Sur. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, if he needed medical attention or something that would have not been, and there's no cell phone reception back there at all. Yeah. And especially we're talking 2006. Right. So, um, and I was just getting at the point too, if foul play would have happened, you know, and, you know, Arvin being a, you know, an imposing presence, you know, it's not going to be easy to, um, you'd think if someone, you know, uh, you know, was trying to hide the body that investigators would find that. Sure. Um, so it's just another aspect of it that's kind of puzzling. Yes. Um, 2014, just to correct. Oh, 2014. I apologize. Yeah. No um, so in you guys obviously at the memorial, you were talking with a lot of the locals. What, um, what's, you know, kind of the, the theory around town or do people kind of think foul play as well? That's, I think the two theories are either foul play um, or, you know, again, lost his footing. Yeah. Slipped under some chaparral and, you know, I, you know, Jay has mentioned too, he might've taken a wrong turn. Mm-hmm. I think as you pointed out in your prior episode, there are, you know, a lot of, I'm sure he had maps and a compass because he was that kind of person, but um, yeah. he, did, he didn't have GPS and uh, he may have taken a wrong turn or something. Did I, he, I, uh, did he have any formal kind of survival training or anything that you were not, aware of? Not that I'm aware of other than he was, you know, an avid hiker and, yeah. and he, he was pretty well prepared. Generally he would always, mm-hmm. um, you know, bring food and have, he, he'd always had, plenty of extra supplies like you know those um, foil blankets and and mm-hmm. hand warmers whatever um, sort of yeah, yeah I mean he was he was more or less living in that backcountry most of the time anyway like a yeah. lot of time, much of the time he was uh, more or less living out of his van he was a you know a, a site host at a lot of the campgrounds I mean he was he was basically an outdoor guy and i think that's the that was the other thing i was going to mention earlier as far as like you know whether he had a disposition to sort of like disappear or whatever like my my thought has always been like him moving to big sur was that 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 was disappearing (laughs) from that's how he was getting away from modern life like he he did it like he he did this like i think 
Jason and I, at some level, like admire the, the way that he sort of just lived this very kind of countercultural. He wasn't a camping, he wasn't, camping wasn't a hobby. Like that was his life. He lived outdoors and we're just, it was really like, it was already an escape is what I'm saying. Like why yeah. would you escape from your escape? Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think of that initially when we are you know, researching Arvin, but um, he kind of already was kind of living that minimalist lifestyle. Um, and now that you guys have said, you know, kind of what we we thought through the research that there is no outward you know sign that he was depressed or anything so i yeah i think the theory that he was trying to you know get lost is you know not a plausible theory um well um is there any anything else about arvin or the disappearance or are there any are there any people still um that you know of family or friends you know still kind of once a year visiting the area looking for stuff or um up until this year which it was the fifth year um yeah some of the people that he lived with um uh, that were part of a fraternity at san jose state we would meet in carmel valley and Mm -hmm. have a memorial hike sort of annually Um, that's cool yeah this this year it didn't happen not really looking for him but just yeah um, to share stories and and uh you know speculate yeah no, that's cool. Um, yeah, we see that with a lot of these, you know, people like to come back and um, sometimes the family will go, th- you know, through the area looking for stuff. But a lot of times it's just to remember the the fun times hiking and um, sure. well, um, yeah. So is there any, anything else about Arvin that um, you guys would like to tell any, any funny stories out on the trails with him or uh, <laughs> any, any time that he, you know, he surprised you or... <laughs> I just remember, um, for whatever reason, there was like a couple of years where uh, it didn't seem like every time we went out, we got rained out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he definitely would not like want to leave. Like he definitely like stuck it out, but it was kind of, mm. I don't know. He just, he was, he's just a very good humored person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, you just, there. I, you know, I didn't spend nearly as much time as I, as Jason did with him, yeah. but I, I really can't think of, I'm not, and not even like full on depression. I really can't even think of him being in a bad mood. I mean, he yeah. was just like a super positive, optimistic guy. He like befriended everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he could sit up, you know, for hours and hours around a fire talking. He played the harmonica. He was just like, I don't know. He's just like a person you wanted to be around. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, if he, I, there wasn't a mean bone in his body. My wife has said, I think he was, you know, if he was ever a little sad about something, he would pick himself up and move on, you know, then in morning time, um, you know, some, a lot of many, many funny stories to share. He was, but he was very uh, good natured, well humored guy, like just positive, super positive. And um I mean, he, he would spend, you know, the other thing, it was funny, he was very social, but sometimes he would go on a 10 day Vipassana retreat where you don't speak to another human for 10 days. So it's not, wow. <laughs> not unlike, yeah. I, I mean, I could see him being out on a trail by himself and, you know, being happy, being alone mm. for a little bit too. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. And I, I think we all know people, I, I have a couple friends that, no matter what you do to them, they always have a positive attitude. 
Um, so that, that's interesting about his, his nature. Um, well, uh, guys, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about Arvin and his disappearance. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I think um, I really, I really like the theory you guys kind of drilled home about the foul play. I think something unfortunately happened to him, probably human related, yeah, out on the trail. And uh, yeah, it. I, I think there's probably some gaps. I, I wish we could have talked to the the sheriff from Monterey County to sure. kind of. I don't even know if they can discuss the case because it's. I think it's still open. Sure. Um, but yeah, once again, thanks for coming on and. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for doing the story. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, everybody. And again, thank you to Jay and Jason for taking the time out of your day to do the interview with Mike and give us some of that great feedback and inside info onto Arvin, his abilities as a hiker, and just in-depth explanation of your friendships with him. I think it was very insightful and really helped us personally. I can't speak for you, Mike, but it helped me personally. Um, really rethink about Arvin as a person. I know one of our crazier theories was that he went into Witsec or, and he just is skipping yeah. towns and stuff. So this really kind of obviously changed that perspective because we have more information. Oh, absolutely. Um, as you, as you know, from the interview, I, the Jay and Jason really were leaning towards uh, foul play being, you know, the theory behind what happened to Arvin. And I, I think I'm really sold, sold on that based on the fact that, you know, the area that he went back into, you know, hike is a pretty, pretty rowdy area of California based on, you know, what we were, what I was told in the interview. And, um, you know, there could have been some type of racial element or, um, you know, he came across a crime or something strange happened up at that cabin, but I definitely think it was foul play because, um, Arvin definitely, you know, as I can't remember if it was Jay or Jason said, you know, his escape was moving to Big Sur. That was kind of his, you know, getting away from society. So they didn't think he was going to also want to, you know, at that then afterwards, you know, try to be lost out in the woods. So Sure. Yeah, it's it's that whole idea of who he is as a person that we just learned more information on in addition to all the great things the community in Big Sur said about him. So I, I think I agree with you, and I think it, it solidifies the theory um, that we weren't pushing so hard in the initial episode, but I think, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I'm with them. It's, it's unfortunately probably foul play and there just hasn't been that full closure of recovery yet. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you again for everyone that, that tuned in. I know we've been teasing this one for a while. We are going to have, uh, a couple new episodes coming out, hopefully before the end of the year coming up. So, uh, stay tuned. And like Joe said in the beginning, if you, haven't listened to the original Arvin Nelson episode, uh, check down in the uh, description of this, this interview and you'll see a link to it. Absolutely. And as always, if you're hiking, camping, fishing, whatever, leave no trace.